0: questions ready. Type your questions in the chat. And then uh, at a certain segment, I'll come back and go through them. So uh, let's continue down the path today. We're going to be in Joshua chapter one, verse four, where he said that there were boundaries, that you don't get to have everything you want, anything you want, and everything you want. So I'm going to read the verse for you if I can. And then I'm going to make sure that we are set. Joshua chapter one is verse four. This is the verse that kind of sparked all of the thinking for me. It, it made me explode with, um, with, with um, thoughts. Now, I'm going to come back and ask you some more questions in a second, but let me read the verse for you first. John chapter 1, verse 4 says, Your territory to Israel will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Now, sometimes when you're reading Joshua, you, you kind of read past that real fast. But it, it's a boundary line. The boundary line was, to come from the desert of Lebanon, the River Euphrates, from the great river, rather. Um, read it again. Up on the slope, you can do this if you try. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country in the Mediterranean Sea. So that's going to be your boundary. Now, what I want you to notice is, they didn't get to own everything. Now, tell me something. I want you to. Now, you're 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 brilliant people. Tell me what you hear in the average Christian sermon about what you can have. Do you hear limits? No. Most of the time you hear no limits, right? Most of the time, uh, kind of help me with some of the phrasing that people use, some of the terms. And maybe, uh, what do you hear? I can do all things through Christ, which means what? All things. Say with me, please come on, What? all things. So you can play basketball like Michael Jordan, right? You could pitch, you can hit, you can play baseball, basketball, football. All you need is Jesus and you can do anything. Is that right? Fly a plane, dive underwater, catch lions, bears, because you know Jesus, you can do all that, right? See, now you get it. You go, no, no, it don't mean that. See, notice how you instantly say there are boundaries. Can you say boundaries? See, there are boundaries. So boundaries aren't bad, Boundaries aren't bad. It's when you think you can do any job anywhere, any place, that you get outside of your gifting. There's something called gifting. And, and so uh, let's say you have a house, right? I have a house. Is, uh, can I walk up to your house and say, if God gave you this house, God can give me a house just like it. Would that be true? Depends, right? What must I do to get a house like your house? Work. There's a word. There's a word. There's a word. word. Work. What else? Pay. Pray. Yeah, pray. Okay. But practically, I got to do what else? I got to save, pay, qualify for the loan or whatever, or have the cash. There are other elements that go along with this. Okay, so when you hear motivational speakers, what do you normally hear? Something that says you have limits or something that says you have no limits, you, do you can do it all, you can have, what? It. have it all, and they show you their houses, they show you their wealthy, their wealth, and you believe you're to believe that because they did it, you can do it. The problem with that is everybody doesn't have the same gifts, and I mean, I have, I, I should, I, I, I guess I could say her name. I don't like, I don't like name drop. I don't like the name drop, but I'm a name drop. Can I name drop for a minute? Okay, okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I mean not. You anyway, It's a famous cook person. I say it like this guy. I say it's a famous cook person. So I was. I was talking and I, and I called this person and I said um, I'm cooking and I thought about you, right? So when I called this person who cooks and and I said this to them, they said, Well, uh, I was cooking pancakes, right? And they said to me, Well, how did you make your batter? And I said, how did I make my batter? I got it out of the box. <laughs> so Miss Paula Dean said to me, <laughs> she said, Well, it's really easy, Pastor Rick. You can just I said, hey, 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 back up. I'm not you. I she started trying to tell me how to make batter. I said, okay, let me explain. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pay attention because I'm not gonna make batter. Well, she said, well, go buy mine, then. Let's go buy mine. Not go. But my point was, it was amazing <laughs> that, that when people are in professional cooks, they, they just jump into that, you know, original stuff, you know, as if everybody knows how to make it from scratch. Now, I don't know if you're the kind of person who can do that. God bless you. But I'm still a batter person. If I ever want them, I just go get a box and make it work. But there is a challenge when people tend to believe that everybody should be able to do what they do. For example, watch this. I don't think preaching is that hard. I think any one of you I can call up here right now, on the spot, I can just point to one of you and tell you to come up here and for the next 10 minutes take over my notes and go for it. Now, see? You're sitting there saying, don't play with me, Pastor Ray." <laughs> I know what you're saying because you're saying that's the kind of thing you would do just for fun kind of a little bit. But I'm better. I haven't done that in a while. I haven't done that in a while. You've got to admit I've improved, okay? But, but the, the point is you said no, no, no. But, but we tell people that. And so this series really in, intrigued me because I wanted to say he gave them boundaries. I, and when I thought about that, it really helped me. Because, first of all, I'd feel guilty because I didn't have all the boundaries. I mean, I, I couldn't do everything. I would feel guilty. Have you ever felt guilty because you couldn't do something? Have you, have, have you ever felt like you could, should be able to do something that somebody else could do? Raise your hand. You ever felt? Okay, name something that somebody else could do that you thought, before you kind of now, you see it now, but you thought you should be able to do, that you now realize you shouldn't be worried about. What would it be? Play the piano. You thought you should have been able to play the piano. Because your brother plays the piano. Right? He just, and he, played, he started playing by ear. He just, oh, it just makes you sick, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? I took lessons. I paid somebody money to teach me because I wanted to come and shock the church one day. Because I go over to the piano and I would just act like I can play. And the members go, oh, it's going to be bad. And I was going to take lessons and come in here and shock you. And play something for real. So I was, I was home practicing. Mary had da, 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 da. I was And I thought, oh, right, Temple, you rolling, boy. I felt proud of myself. And so Ricky came behind me, no lessons, no lessons, never had a lesson at this time. And later on, he got a degree in music. But at this point in his life, as a teenager, he had no lessons. He came up behind me, and I had a little thing in the, in the living room. And he came and he said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I am. Practicing the piano, sir," he says. "So what are you supposed to be playing?" I said, "I'm playing Mary Had a Little Lamb.'" And I was just getting a little irritated with him because he's behind me. He said, "You mean da 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 da?" I said, "Get your hand off the piano!" <laughs> <laughs> and he's so mad, Very I mean, mad. I'm thinking, how could you just do that? How could, how could you just, just out of the blue, just with one like box somebody, you know? And and so, anybody else? Well, name something else that you thought that. You should be able to do that you really realized you couldn't do too well. What else? Come on. A Speak a foreign language. Okay. Is that what? Who said that? You said that? Use foreign language. Okay, what was yours? Cook like, my grandmother. Cook like your grand, who? grandmother. Who? Grandmother. Okay, good. So, anybody else? Give me one more. Something you thought? Yes. Dance. Dance. Oh, come on, girl. We're going to get a pen. Let it go. No, come <laughs> on. Dance. Okay, what else? What did you say? Run, run a marathon. Run a marathon. Okay. Yes. My family are seamstresses. seamstresses, and you don't know how to sew. See, I thought all women could sew. I did. I remember I was in college. It's truth. And I had a string, and I don't know why I didn't. I didn't. I didn't try to cut it myself. It was a girl, pretty girl next to me. I said, "Oh, well, she could help me." I said, "Would you?" I, I got this. She ripped up my jacket. She did, she did, she ripped it up. I said, okay, no help, no more help. We are told in an effort to encourage us to try to do things that sometimes are outside of our skill set. I love the fact that God told Israel, I don't want you to concentrate on anything but these boundaries. Now, let's talk about why is that good? Why was it good that they... Were given boundaries what would that do to their life if you don't think if they didn't have to think about conquering anything else only the land he told them how how would that help them focus Focus. you don't get distracted so you don't spend time trying to do that that that's out so here's here's what we did okay In our ministry, there came a time when we had to decide okay, we're going to focus only on this. We're not going to do all these other things. We're just going to focus on this. I want you to think about what you spent time focusing on in your life that was not yours to conquer. Sometimes it's a friendship. That person is not supposed to be your friend. It's obvious. You tried, it didn't work. Why are you trying? There's something about being able to admit that this is not mine. That this is not something that I can have and I'm not supposed to have it. So last week, that's what we talked about. This is not mine. Say that with me, come on. This is not mine. This is not mine. It's not mine. And so when you can admit that, it changes everything. So. Here's what we're gonna do now. Turn the page. Get ready to roll, and we're going to clap our hands. Come on, clap your hands. Come on, clap, clap. No, no, no. Loud, loud. Be loud. Be loud. Be loud. Be loud. Be loud. Be loud. Thank you very much. All of you that are online, if you have if you have a question, make sure you make notes of this. I love TT. TT liked the part about the dancing. That was cool. You like that, TT? Uh, And uh, Glenn Smith. Hello, sir. Good to see you. And all the rest of you that are online. Thank you for being with us today. We're gonna turn now to a simple text that I want to turn to. And if you don't have notes, Please look for the notes They're on the app, and uh, they're everywhere. You can find them. Uh, if you go to the notes on your app, they should be there. Now, let's talk about what you're supposed to have, okay? Last week, we talked about what you're not supposed to have. Now, this is important because if you are clear about where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to have, it changes everything. These are your boundaries, the things that are supposed to be in your camp. If you look with me at verse 1, I'm going to start in chapter 1, verse 1. The three things that will determine what you will have. Repeat these with me, please. So the territory God gave you, the places you're willing to walk, the battles you're willing to fight. Okay, I want you to think about that, first of all. The territory God gave you, that's where you start. What has your name on it? Not somebody else's, just you. Not your good brother, your cousin, your mama, your daddy, just you. What territory did God give you? So I'm going to read a verse for you. It's going to be on the screen. Here it goes. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready, to go to cross the Jordan River, to the land that I'm giving to them, to the Israelites. That's the focus of their attention, and I want you to get that in your mind. There's a territory for you. There's a place for you. There's a house for you, a job for you, a salary for you. There's a person for you. There is somebody there for you. I want you to think about that, and I want you to, I want you to process what that means. If you, can, if you can get in your mind, and if you can move this mic stand for me, please, so she won't have to see that. Uh, you can go ahead and do it. Let's move that, move that over there so she won't have to see it. And then uh, somebody move this one over here for me so somebody can, yeah. Don't, you don't have to look through a mic stand to see me. Um, I want you to think about this for a minute, and I want you to process this. for You can, you can lower it, too, if you want. Uh, yeah, just, just lower it or pull it away or whatever you want to do be fine. That's good. That's perfect. So if if you can if you could think with me for a minute about how liberating this is. This is my house. I used to, how many of you have done this? Have you ever driven around car lots looking at cars? Right? Right? And, and so when you get the car you want, what do you stop doing? Driving around car lots, right? Because you're focused now, you've got your car, this is your territory, it's done. You ever drove when you're buying a house in the market for a house? What do you do when you want a house? drive around looking at houses, apartments, right? But when you finally get the place you like, you stop doing that. It's over, you don't look anymore. How does that feel when you get to that place? Talk to me, how does that feel? Feels what? Feels good. Feels good. Satisfied. Satisfied, right? And, and so, somebody else can get a house, doesn't bother you, they can get a car, doesn't bother you, it, 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 it's fine. Now I'm in, I'm in, I'm going through a phase right about now. Okay. Uh, I want a truck. Let me explain, explain. I don't need a truck. I want to haul something. Here's a problem. I have nothing to haul. <laughs> okay. So I'm going through a, a moment. Okay. And I've been going through it for a minute, about a year, you know, and I went and looked at the truck I want. I won't say what it is cause you'll look it up. Uh, but it costs too much money. Just imagine it's amazing. Um, and so when you really want something, uh, what do you do? Think about it. Right. And then you always see somebody driving your truck. You ever seen that? Right. You always see somebody driving your truck. You always see somebody's got it. But I don't like payments. Right. I have a payment issue. I'm kind I'm of like anti-payments. And so since I don't like payments, I have a problem. What's my problem? I want a truck I don't want to pay for. Is that a problem? Yes, that's called go to jail, right? Okay, so so that means I have to make a decision. I have to make a decision about what and when this is good for me. But what it does is because I <laughs> I want a truck. Every time I see one, man, oh man, that's a truck. Sometimes I say, oh boy, that's a truck you got there, but I say something. I just love it, you know. And I I don't know what that is. That's maybe sixty four. Um, but, but I will, if I want one, I can go, I can go buy one. I just don't want to pay. I don't want to pay for it. So I figure it out if you see me in one, he like, Oh, he did it. You can say that. Right. And he still ain't got nothing to haul. <laughs> <laughs> what is that called? Lust? I don't know. It's, I want a truck. Don't bug me. But the bottom line is there. Well, I want to haul the key. My grandkids key keys. I want to put them in. The, it's really like a SUV. I want, you know, but I, I'm really a car guy. You know, I'm really more of a car guy than I'm a truck guy. But I, I want a truck, so we'll deal with that later. And nobody's going to buy me one. I'm going to get my own truck. Okay, I got my own vision. So I ain't asking for nobody to do nothing for me. Because sometimes preachers drop them little hints. I ain't dropping no hints. Because I don't need y'all saying, why don't we get together and get the pastor a, a truck. No, we're fine. Pastor drive a nice car. He happy. But, but there's something about being free from want. The Bible calls it being content. So I'm still content. Whenever I'm not content, I go wash my car. That's what I do, right? Because I feel like I need to be in a place of contentment. So God wanted Israel to be focused, content, and only thinking about these boundaries. And I want you to do this in your life. Establish some boundary lines. I want you to establish some economic boundary lines. I'll talk about that more next month because we get trapped financially. That's what I'll talk about next month. We get trapped in things and we get bound in things and we don't have boundary lines. When it comes to relationships, you got to have boundary lines, you know, because you'll always want somebody new. you get you a first and second floor person, right? And then when you kiss and hug them, after you get tired of kissing, you want to get throw them out and get you another one because you want you a first and second floor person. And you'll spend all your life with the first and second floor relationships. Whenever you get to the third and fourth floor, you got to talk about money, responsibility, you dump them, and you go back and get you another first and second floor person. And you can tell them all your stories, tell them how somebody did you wrong, cry, and all that. stuff all over again. And that's your life. And you end up with a life without boundaries. And in our world, that's what you see. You see boundary, bound, no boundary lines at all. Academic boundaries. Everything that in my life. I'm trying to say these are the things that I want. And I don't want to get lost. I don't want myself to be confused. So, number one, and I need to define what are the territories that are for me. That God says this is for you. This is yours right now. It's not a truck. okay? so that's not my territory right now. But there are things that I believe will be right for me when it's right for me. So he told Israel, this is it. This river Euphrates. This is the Mediterranean Sea. This land. Not very big, by the way. This is it. Second thing is. My I I will get certain things. I can have things that I'm willing to walk on. The goal of of the conversation today is. What am, I, what am I supposed to have? I'm supposed to have what God plans, and I'm supposed to have what I'm willing to walk on. Listen to what he said in verse, verse 13. I will give you every place where you, you set your foot. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend, and he goes back again through this whole boundary line. From the desert to Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the Mediterranean Sea, and so on. That's what I'm giving to you. I want you to think about this for a minute. When we read this verse, we normally quote it and it says, everywhere I place my feet, God's going to give me. How do we apply that normally? How do we normally apply that verse? Everywhere I walk. So if I walk in your house, right? So we do this and it's amazing. We, We assume it means I can have everything, even if it's yours. And that's not what he's saying. I want you to see, he said that to them in the context of a boundary. I can't have everything. And let me tell you how this helped me here. On our street, we own a lot of acreage, over 20, 20 some acres on the street. Well, there was the land across the street that we could have got for another million dollars. And I told the guy, we don't really need that. And I didn't buy it. It was a million, 800,000, 900,000, something like that. And so because that's just more debt. I didn't want that. And then I, if I got it, I wanted to build what they built over there, which is a six million dollar um, housing place for people who are up and coming and striving to reset their life and so on. And so I said, well, you guys build it, spend your six million dollars, not as inviting in the church because <laughs> I don't need to own it. Then I thought about some other property I could have bought down here, and I could have bought, could have bought a bunch of property on this street, and, and, but that would have added another million and a half dollars worth of debt. But, you know, now I'm kind of entrepreneurial now, but back then we were younger, had a smaller income, and I said, you know, I don't know that I want to stretch myself out with another million over here, another million and a half over there. You see, this is how you get in trouble, right? Because you're trying to own everything. So what we did was we stopped. We just bought land. We didn't even build the final building we had in mind, because, because the building was going to be 15 million. See, watch, look at the math: 15 million for the building, right, or 10, depending upon which one, which which drawing you look at. 10, it was 15, 10, then five, six, and it got to be crazy. Like, no, we don't need to build anything right now. And God, God bless us, we didn't, because COVID came, and we would have had all that debt hanging over our head. God didn't want me to have that, didn't want us to have that. He said, no, live in this boundary. I know it's disappointing. You think you're supposed to do that. We want to have a pool. If you were here long enough, you know it's true. A pool and all that. You know, a friend of mine told me, he said, if you build a pool, they're not coming. <laughs> I wanted a bowling alley. He said, if you build a bowling alley, they're not coming. Because they want to go down the street where they cuss and have the leagues and stuff and where their friends at. They don't want to come into the church and bowl. You can't cuss in here. You know, you can't, oh. Jesus. You know, you, know, you know, I had a friend have a beauty shop. Nobody want to go to church beauty shop. You know, why? Because you can't gossip. You want to go where you can talk about people and stuff and, you know, and, and all that. Okay. So what I'm saying is, he said, if you build all that, did not coming. He said, some friends of mine built it and they don't go to it. It's sitting there empty all day. And then you get off focus, and you're trying to conquer everything. That's what's wrong with some of us. If you're really honest, Part of the issue in your life, part of the reason you're miserable is because you're trying to do everything. Can you say that with me, please? Come on, say everything. Put a little movement in it. Come on, ready? Everything. You're trying to do everything. You're trying to buy all the houses you can. You're trying to buy everything you can. You're, trying, you're, you're leveraging yourself into all kinds of issues and debt. And, and, and to be really honest, it's not just in owning stuff. <laughs> Let, let me see if you can guess this. You ready? How do churches try to own everything when it comes to you? What do we do? We want all of your time. Oh, you, you guessed that quick. When you have to invite people to church, what's the first question they ask you? How long will it be? That's a clue. They, they're concerned that you want time. You know, one of the criticisms I have, he gets you out on time. He's so time conscious. He just time. We're going to be out here by 815. Yep. <laughs> you know why? Because people talk about me. and Say, I'm going there because I know I can get out. It, it, and, and so the, the problem is we structure things so that you have to come all the time. Name the days you have to come. In your previous churches or churches in general, name, name the service days. When are they? Sunday? Wednesday? Friday? Saturday? And any other days? How about Tuesday prayer meeting? How about Thursday choir rehearsal? See, if you go and you put it all together, we structure things to, to take up all your time. So when you join you automatically feel like wow i got to be involved. Then we got a lot of got revivals, we got conferences, we've got this, we got that, we got appreciations, we got church fellowships. We, so we have a lot of things and so what happens is when you join the the most this is what i've seen, the most faithful people who are here all the time are the first ones to die. Eventually they don't go to church at all. They need to recover. They got to backslide to recover a little bit. And then they <laughs> then they'll come back. But part of the problem is we don't draw boundary lines. Boundary lines. So when we first started, I said, okay, what we're going to do is we're not going to have church up here every, every day, starting late for sure. We'll start on time, end on time. I want you to come together and leave together. Say that with me. Say, come together and leave together. That's why you can get to know people, right? If you never come and leave together, everybody's tipping out because it's so long. You lose the power of fellowship. So there was there was, a, there was a there was a theory behind why we did it the way we did it. So that they, I'm not supposed to walk on all of your time. But the but the but the assumption is, I'm supposed to create I'll create create a culture where I get to own all your time, all your money. And I can ask for it over and over again without question. So I have this sense of conquering takeover. And, and, and I don't think that that's what God designed it to be. Now, I don't want you all to be mad when I ask for money again, okay? But I'm making a point. I'm, the point I'm making is there are times when it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that kind of culture, in my opinion. I think it, it hurts us long term. So there's the third thing. Remember, these are the three things that will determine what you will have. The territory God gave you, the places you're willing to walk there are things you must be willing to do. If they were not willing to go to Israel and walk on the land, if they were not willing to go and conquer the land, they couldn't have it. If you're not willing to invest a certain amount of time, there's a certain amount of things you can't have. So the, the flip side of the conversation is, there are things I have to do. There, are, there is a there are certain amount of time commitment you have to make to keep a church alive. There's a certain amount of time commitment you're making today just to learn the word. So th- there are things you have to do. So he said to them, listen, You can have this if you're willing to walk on it. You're supposed to have the land God gave you, but you're only going to get it if you walk on it. So they had to go to the land. And you remember, and if you heard the sermon last week, they didn't. They were fearful, wouldn't go into the promised land. So they never possessed it for 40 years. Third thing that I think will determine what you will have is the battles you're willing to fight. Look what he said in verse five. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong, courageous, because you you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to the the ancestors. Now, if you're not willing to fight and you're not willing to walk on the land, even if God gave it to you, you can't have it. Let me say that again. Even if God says this is your career path, this is your job, this is your opportunity, this is your relationship you can have, this is the guy, woman, whatever it is, that whatever, whatever is God's boundary blessing for you, if you're not willing to speak to that person, if God brings them to you, you with me? If you're not willing to be friendly, if you're not willing to adjust your personality a bit, to, to get along with people, not always fussy, fussy, you know what I'm saying? If you're not willing to be transparent, if you're not willing to, be, to share your money, you're not will- then there's certain things you can't have because you're not willing to walk on it. Say amen if you got me. Amen. So there's, there's a, there's, there, God can have something for you. Savannah was God's blessing for me. Coming to overcome by my faith was God's blessing for me. But I had to come here and I had to move here and I had to accept the pastor to this church with 45 people. I had to be willing to come with $22,000 a year I had to be willing, that's all we had as an income. I had to be willing to say, okay, out of that $22,000, uh, what's going to be my salary? Uh, hallelujah. See, now you look at me and you got all these hallelujah moments, but I'm telling you, it's a whole other thing when you're starting. So, now there are three insights about what you're supposed to have that I want to talk about. Number one, right, three insights. You're not supposed to own all the land. You're not supposed to own everything. I want to make sure you got that, okay? You have a promised land. You. And that's why you need to be clear that, you, that when, especially when relationships, or you see somebody that's married, that's not yours. You don't need to walk on that. That's sacred, that belongs to somebody else. It's really, really important. Secondly, you cannot have a land you will not walk on. If you're not willing to participate, this is the lessons I want you to walk away with before we get to the questions. If you're not willing to walk on it, if you're not willing to participate in the process, you're never going to have what God has for you. There are things He has for you, but you must participate at a higher level. Better health, resources, money. I don't know what it is. There's a list of things. There's a boundary of blessing. I call it boundary of blessing. You heard that? Say it. Come on, boundary, boundary. of blessing. If I stay within my boundary of blessings, there are things that God has for me, but there are things I must do. That's why I walk today. I exercise because I, I, I want that level of health. I stretch today. That's, that's a simple thing. It took about 45 minutes to an hour. I said, I'm going to set the time aside because I want that. I want to I be able to move. There's something about that boundary of blessing, saving money so that when I have an issue, I can, like last month, I had high expenses last month. I'm able to survive. There's something about knowing how I have to walk on that. I have to make, make an effort. Thirdly, uh, you cannot win a battle you're not willing to fight. So, here's, here, you, you have a promised land. You must participate and you must fight. So repeat those with him, please. Come on. Say, I have a promised land. Come on. I must participate and I must fight. There, there is a role you play if you're going to get what you're supposed to have. There's, there's, a, there's a take possession part of this. You have to be a part of it. I think when we use God as a, some kind of prayer escape, here's, here's a prayer that I think you should never pray. God, why haven't you done this for me yet? Really? I mean, I mean, it, 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 it's... it's it's not all his, it's, it's my life. I sold myself to where I am at. Whether I like it or not, I was a part of this process. I got here because of some choices I made, and I don't necessarily think they were all great or all bad. And, and I do believe that the blessing is coming. Can I get an amen to that? I believe that you have a boundary blessing. I'm, I, you, have, you got a place. But I have to make sure that I understand that I played a role in this. If you're going to get what you're supposed to have, you have to be clear about that. Number two, you have to be clear that you can't just pray. Now, this is really, and I wrote this, the staff kind of teased me about it a little bit. You can't just pray. You can't just give. You can't just go to church. You can't just sacrifice for others. You can't just worship to receive God's best for you. You can't just say, well, see, God, I sing. See, God, I dance. See, God, I go to church. See, see, see. Look, God, look. Based on this, you should give me everything I ask for. He said, well, first of all, is it yours? I just believe that some things I don't get, not mine. Somebody else's. If I get it, then okay. I work hard to get it. I do all I can to get it. But if I don't get it, I'm, I've learned in hindsight that there are people, this is probably bad to say. This is really so bad. This is, but don't take this wrong. I've had a couple of times in my life, besides Diane, okay, three times, where I saw somebody, and I assumed I had to have this person. You want to hear about it? I was <laughs> in high school, and this girl sat next to me, and for some reason, she was so gorgeous to me. Now you wanna hear what I prayed. This is a dumb prayer. Do you still want to hear it? Ready? Are you gonna tell anybody about this? Yes, you are. You're gonna tell the truth, right? No, I did. I, I said, Lord, if she dates me, I'm gonna to backslide tomorrow. That's what I that's what I prayed. That was a dumb prayer. If you <laughs> I don't know, I pray I was a high school student, who knows? I prayed, as a God, if she'll date me, I'm gonna to backslide tomorrow. I mean, this girl, I just, I mean, she couldn't, she never gave me a, never even looked at me. Terrible. No, God, hallelujah. Good. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Um, I'm glad you didn't look at me because I was, I don't know why. You know, sometimes you imagine things in your head. You think this is your promised land and it's not. You been there? Come on, say amen if you've been there. Right? So, second time I, I saw somebody, I it was across the street. I saw a girl across the street. I was in middle school this time and I saw across the street and I, and I was looking at her and I remember her name but I ain't going to tell you her name. I was looking at her and I was looking at her and then I ran into a tree that's a true story. I ran really into a treat. And she saw me and laughed. She did. She saw me. <laughs> Smack. Ran, ran. My friend saw me. It was horrible. And, anyway, and then and another time, I, I can think of, I, I, I had this another girl. I, I, just was, I was at college this time. And I remember thinking, I really, really wanted to date this person. I just really did. And some of you say, I guess she was rejected a lot. No, no, but that's not. <laughs> My pride's going to be out here a little bit, but no. But this was a moment, and I remember seeing them years later. Have you ever done this? You see them years later, and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, this is a nice person. This is no, honest to God. This is a very nice person. Married a very nice guy. But I remember thinking, oh, boy, thank you, Jesus. no. I, I got the right thing going here. I got Diane. This is what I need. You know, my life would have gone in a completely different direction, completely different direction simply because of who I married. And so there are moments in life when you have a vision of a promised land. And it's not, I'll tell you something I told a friend of mine. He told me, he called me, he says, man, he said, man I'm in this place. He's in, in this cold part of the country. He said, man, I got to get out of here. I got to move to Florida. He said, I got to get out of here. He said, man, this is not God's will for me. This is not. I said, man, you're in your promised land. I said, you know how much money you make. You know what you're doing. I don't care what I'm leaving. He gave me his big speech. I said, you need to buy a coat. (laughs) (laughs) He laughed and howled about that. And he, he did. He bought some coats and stayed. And he's prospered and prospered. Sometimes your promised land is cold. Sometimes your promised land is hot. Sometimes your promised land has boundaries you don't like because you start looking across to see, I want the best of that land over there. I want to get that land, and I want to buy those apartment buildings. I rode down the apartment buildings down here. I, I rode through them said, maybe I should come here and buy all these apartment buildings. That would have been the devil. Trying to own too much, trying to do too much. I need to stay in my promised land. And I need to understand that I can have it if I'm willing to walk on it, if I'm willing to fight but I need to be clear about my boundaries. And if I do that, my life will be better. If you learn something, say amen. amen. Now, question time. Questions that people are going to ask about this whole topic, you get to ask here and online if you have questions. I want you to type them into the chat. My brother that you met earlier will be glad to answer your questions. He's going to make um, a note of them and raise his hand. And I'll know that you've got questions before I go any further. Are there any questions, because I've got, you know, I come with questions, what, what I think you should ask me, things that I think you should, you should ask me, and so I've got three of those. Every time we come, I'll have three, but let me see what you've got. Who's got a question about anything I've said, a question about any of this topic at all so far, online or in person? Anybody got a question? I'll prime the pump with mine. You ready? Okay, here's mine. Let me ask mine first. All right. First of all, I want to know what what are some people? Why are some people so afraid to walk certain places? Why do you think that people are afraid? I said you can't have it unless you walk on it. Give me some of the answers to why you think some people are why you've never walked on places you thought was your promised land. Why didn't you walk on it? Why didn't you Why didn't you go toward it? Tell me why. Fear, fear, of failure. Somebody else. Yes. Have Didn't have the money to get there. You know, that's honest. I love that. Didn't have the money to get there. Somebody else. Yes. It makes you what now? Being it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to get there. Anybody else? Yes. Doubt. Doubt. Yes. Didn't feel you were worthy to be there. Well, that's so honest. I love that one. That's great. Somebody else. Yes. Lonely. Lonely you know one of the things I have learned about the promised land most of the time you go there alone most of the time you do I always use the example that when you get your if you if I gave you $10,000 paycheck who would you take to the bank with you you heard nobody nobody no, nobody you don't take anybody you, and if anybody asked to go what you gonna say no right <laughs> I don't need you to go right now right so so, so th- th- think about for a moment, how do you get past that? How do you get past this idea that you're not worthy enough or that you're afraid or th- all the other reasons you gave? Y- you have to just pause for a minute because Israel went through the same thing. That's what they said. You know, we like grasshoppers to these people. We can't win. It's, they're a bit too big, too strong. This is where you've got to change the way you see it and the way you see yourself. When I get up in front of people to just speak, when I am standing up here alone by myself, I tell myself things to psych myself up. You know what I say? I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little statement that came to my mind when I first preached. I'd never done this before. I said, the same God who called me will be the same God who goes with me. And I just tell myself that. Say it with me, please. Come on. The same God who called me is the same God who will go with me. So if ever you see me in a big environment in front of thousands of people, you can say, I know what he's going to say. The same God who called him will be the same God who will go with him. I don't have to be worthy. I don't have to be killed. I don't have to be anything. I don't have to have any of that. I just need him. I need him and confidence in myself. Have faith in God. I need to have faith in God and believe that the things that I say will happen. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be intimidated. I have to believe that I can. That's where it all starts. And you have to stop listening to people who are telling you that you can't because it's not their promised land doesn't mean it's not yours. Can I get an amen on that one? We have a question, yes, sir. Check one, two, we have a question on the chat. It says, how do we know what to fight for? Start with what you want. How do you know what you fight for? You start with what you want. I love that Jesus, when he came to the disciples, he said to them, he said, what do you wish? See, I do believe that there is is an open boundary, but the question is, where is your boundary? I don't don't wish to be an NBA player because I know that's outside of my skill set. I don't wish for things that make no sense. I try to wish for things, a dream of things that are within my uh, potential ability. Now, let me say this to you. I am living a life beyond what I thought I could. I want to be clear about that. I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I'd be a pastor. I never thought I could preach. I never thought I'd be in front of people. never thought I'd do television. I'm going down the road. Never, 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 never. You know, I mean, just never thought I could do certain things. I never thought I would be standing in Brazil in front of 10,000 people in their big arena in Sao Paulo. I never thought I'd do that. I never thought I would be in front of 50,000 people in Africa. I, never thought, I, mean, I can go down the list of things I never thought I would do. But the issue is, do a little bit. Do a little bit. Do a little bit a little bit and before you know it you've done more than you think you could have ever done you know you take one class you take another class and then one day they say there are no more classes you're finished I graduate yeah you're done you know there are moments you 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 find yourself so that's that's what I would say about that you know the question yes we do have another question this question says, how can I encourage my adult children to walk within their boundaries when I see them making decisions that will cross over into my boundary lines? Ooh, that's a big one. We need a whole session on that one. Can I give you a book? <laughs> can I give you guys a book to read on, on, on adult children? Hold on for a second. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite books, one of some of you already know, the book I'm going to recommend. Adult children are, are amazing, and I have two of them. And I love them both. A Guy, guy's name is Jim Byrne. Jim, B-U-R-N. Jim Byrne. It's called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Okay. Boy, these chapters are amazing. I always quote the, the chapter. You don't want get, to just get it for the chapters. The chapter is like enough, you know. The first chapter says you're fired. They fire you. You're not that person who was in charge. And I'm not, you know, I understand. But anyway, that's, that's the first chapter. You're fired. Second chapter says, keep your mouth shut and, and the welcome mat out. Doing life with your adult children. I, I, I think that there are seasons with adult children where it takes them a while to see their boundaries. It takes them a while to understand what you're saying. I'm an adult child when my mother was living. I'm the adult child, so I get it. Now I have adult children, so I really get it. My mother used to say things to me like, and and this is where I would cross the boundary line with her. I would tell her where we're going. I wouldn't ask her. I would say, we're going on vacation July 15th. Please, you know, be prepared. And she would say, do I have a life? i say, yeah, you do, but 15, 14, be ready. And to be honest, I thought I was being sensitive. But I was being insensitive. I thought that I knew what was best for her after she got to a certain place. I thought she was behind. I thought she was an old fogey, didn't quite understand. I thought, I thought a lot of things. And I really thought that I wasn't her parent. But I was the only child, so I was like, some kind of something important. (laughs) And I really didn't pay attention sometimes to how she felt. I crossed boundary lines, and it's not until she dies, until she's gone, that you sit back and reflect. I'll give you one of the most amazing moments. You might have heard me tell it before. I asked her 10 years after I moved here from L.A., I asked her, no, Mom, I never asked you, how did you feel when I left? And moved here and got married, she said, I felt awful. And I hope your children move to Japan. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> and she didn't crack a smile. She said, I hope they do. I want to live to see that. And so I think that boundary line crossing is part of what happens with adult children. They cross the line, and sometimes you cross it too. You treat them like they're two. Everybody has to adjust the lines. And if you can adjust the lines, you'll be okay. The problem is when the lines are so rigid, and you start establishing boundary lines in their house like is your house and you start establishing boundary lines for their children and you take away all their rights as parents and you don't give them any voice in their choices and it's when you feel that you have the right to be aggressive because you're the mama or the daddy and and you're not fair you feel like you've got to say everything you think, and they've got to agree with everything you think? See, everybody starts crossing boundary lines. And I've had to tell myself, and I mean, under I'm emotional like restraint, no, no, no. That's your boundary line, Ricky. He's 40. He's 4'0. You're not, you you can't, you know, hey, hey, breathe. Back up the train just a little bit. You know, she's 18 and she knows she, you know, let's let's let her have a voice. One time I remember my kids, uh, we were were having some moment, me and Rick and and, and one of the parental moments, and he was younger. He said, can I have an opinion? Can I have an opinion? And when he said it, it, you know, yeah, man, you can have an opinion. What's your opinion? Well, I think, man, first of all, you don't be hitting people. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You knock somebody's brains out of something. You no, know, it's the first thing, you know, I me mean? negotiating, talk, man. I said, okay, from now on, got you. <laughs> it was a moment. I mean, hey, you know, I came from the spanking family, you know, pow, 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 you know, karate chop. And I had to learn, oh, you need to learn how to talk. Don't be threatening all the time. Don't be always, you know, hey, I'll get you. I'm your daddy. I hurt you. You know, it's, 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 it's um, a boundary line I had to establish. That was a great question. Wow. You smart person. I like that. Man, that was great. All right, you got another one for me? Yes, sir. Okay, go for it. This question says, why does the word say, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, yet you said we have boundaries. Do we set the boundaries? No, God set the boundaries. He told you 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 can walk everywhere, but you got to set the boundary. He gave you the boundaries to walk in. The problem is when we think we don't have any boundaries. So I can walk in your house and just de- declare things. I can walk on your job and take your job and declare things. I believe, Latasha, you're right. Success comes in pieces. But you don't get to own all the pieces everywhere. There's a, there is a boundary line for everybody. I'm telling you, if I, as a, I as a pastor believe I have a boundary line. But sometimes you've been places, you say, he don't have any boundary line. He can take up the next four hours of my time and think it's okay. And, and if I say anything, they make me feel bad about it. I think that all of us should live within boundaries, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it takes discipline. Anybody else have a question here before I go to the next part? Yes. Can you, can you grab that mic and say it in that mic? Would you mind doing that? Take that mic to her, let her say it in that microphone. Thank you, my friend. You're amazing. Um, how do you uh, set boundaries if you're refocusing and you know, you're just resetting your life, and you don't have boundaries, you've allowed people into you know, your spaces where they shouldn't be? So now. You're refocusing and you're trying to, you know, I guess, say delicately set those boundaries where they haven't been before. Well, first of all, you have to let people know you're setting boundaries and why. You know, so if you haven't set boundaries before, you have to realize, okay, you know, we're not used to cleaning up in here. It's going to be messy for the next six months or month or two. We're going to have to work on this. It's a process. Um, You have to negotiate, you know, explain why you want to set new boundaries and, 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 and then what the benefits would be for them. Now, sometimes there is no benefit for them. Sometimes that means that you used to borrow my money on the 30th every month, and I want you to know that next month we're not gonna do this because I have bills that I have to pay and I'm not gonna be able to do this. So i want to tell you in advance that if you ask me next month, I'm gonna say no because I don't have that money to give to you for that purpose. Now, I may have it, but the point is I don't have it for you to give to you for that purpose. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because I'm working on some goals. so. Now they know, you said it, you kind of set the boundary, next month come, we talked about this, I'm going to get evicted. Wow. (laughs) I mean, you got to talk about it and then give them an opportunity, but you have to, I I don't think in just springing it on people. I think you kind of tell them and, and try to be as nice as you can if it's possible. So that's how you start, in pieces. Somebody else have a question for me in here. Okay, before I get to my second question. Was that it? You ready? Okay, here we go. Second question from that I have. Let me get to that real quick here. Are you OK, so far, say Amen if you are? Yeah. All right, here we go. So what are some people? Um, uh, second question: what if I feel uh, did I answer it? What are some people? Why are some people so afraid to walk certain places? They never I, I put down, they have never seen anyone else walk before up close. Some people are afraid to walk places they've never seen. Let me tell you something that was really fascinating to me that I thought about when I, when I wrote this. I never knew anybody who retired and had money. Now, I don't know if you did, but I never knew any. I didn't know one person. Now, the people I knew, they had a piece of money. Anybody know what that is? They had a piece of money. They got a little bit of money, but they ain't got no money money. I didn't know anybody who, who retired and went on vacation, went to Hawaii, around the world. I didn't know any of those people. They weren't in my world. So my concept of retirement was different. And it really wasn't a concept. It was kind of like all over the place. So until I got to a place in my life where I really understood, okay, so there comes a season in your life where you don't have the same income or the same job or the same, and you really stop working like you used to work before that time really does come and that retirement and strategizing for it is important. And, and so now because I know people who have retired and who have money, and I know people who have retired and saved. I see it. A lot of times, you will never walk where you haven't walk on what you haven't seen. Another thing I had never seen, I had never known, and this is weird to say. I lived probably 10 minutes from the University of Southern California, maybe 10 minutes in a car, five minutes. But if I was sprinting pretty good, I would get there in about 10 minutes. I used to ride my bike through USC all the time but I never knew a college student. I knew one college student. His name was Andy. He was a white guy. I went and played basketball with him when I was to clean their home, but I didn't know anybody else. That's the only college student that I ever, that's, that's amazing to say. That's true. I didn't know any college students. When I was in high school, middle school, um, I didn't know any of them. I, can't, I couldn't name them for you. I knew people who went to church, I heard went to college, but they never talked to me about it. So when I went to college, I was a true freshman. I, was true, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't know you had to withdraw the classes before you know a certain time you get a WF. I did know about that, so I got a couple of them on my transcript because I didn't know that. A lot of things I didn't know, and, and, and my mother, bless her heart, wasn't the kind of person who'd go with you. She sent you, but she thought I was a big boy. I was a you know, big African-American, intelligent, could talk real good but dumb is dumb, and didn't know what I was doing. I saw the difference when Diane, when our kids went to college, she's a ninja. She's an academic ninja, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making that up. We help people go to college. Diane's like a career advisor. Look at your transcript, go through the whole shebang with you. We've helped a bunch of kids go to college. Part of the issue is I, I, her mom's an educator. Her grand, is in her, in her family generationally. Her grandfather was an educator. So she, she just bad. I'm not, I'm not I mean, that girl is like, pooh, Bruce Lee. And she, she, she understood the system. So when our kids went to school, she knew where their classes were. She used to, they used to call her, mom, where's my third period? It was in college. They knew, she, she knew all, she knew their classes, helped them pick the classes. She, don't take that, don't take that. She would, t- she would, she would. She would argue with the counselor, and win, <laughs> and be right. You take that, you will not graduate on time. And if you take that, oh, no, you ain't taking no, no, no basketball, No, no I'm, I'm sorry, soccer, you're going to take this, chemistry. She, and she understood, uh, mm, no, 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 you're going to take algebra. She, she knew the numbers. And I was like, just, amen. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I didn't know it like she knew it. She was bad, man. She was amazing. And, I, and she still is. And what's really powerful is I, I, it's hard to tell people to walk where you've never walked. And that's why some of you don't walk on it, because you've never seen anybody do it. And that's why this, even this kind of conversation, I'll give, give you an example. Uh, I'm going to get off, and I'm going to get back on. What am I going to do? I never heard one sermon on sex. I heard sermons on fornication, and I didn't know what that meant. Can I be real? Can I really be real? Okay, fornication means to have sex outside of marriage. When I came to church, started going to church when I was fifteen, and they said to me that you should wait till you're married. I said, "They said don't fornicate." I said, "What that mean?" And then they said that to all. Oh, really, God against that? I could. <laughs> I couldn't understand. What God got a problem with that for? He's in love, right? I was raised worldly. I'm sorry. I, I know y'all see me now as a pastor, but I was not saved. Okay, I ain't going to say no more. Stop asking me nosy questions. But the point is, I I, I couldn't understand that. I was listening to me. This is the truth. I got saved at 15 and a half. I didn't hear a sermon that explained any of that to me until I was 19. Because no one, no one explained it. No one talked about saving yourself and the, 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 the bonding of yourself together with people that you're not really in covenant with and what, how God designed sex to work and, 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 and how my body would respond and how, how the, the, the impact emotionally. That, I love the, the, the saying. It, said, it says, you, you, the way you see me, you, you, you see me, in- intimacy, you see into me. And that, 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 that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that, that there's something about, about being spread out everywhere with everybody that you meet for a few minutes. And that God never, that's not love. And I love this quote that a woman says. She says, all my, all my girlfriends who sleep around all cry. They all cry. Eventually they cry. Because it's as intimate and as powerful as it is. And I and and then the thing I what I heard about it was was all negative in church because they they like you can't say anything positive about it if you say anything if you go home and read the songs of Solomon which I ain't telling you to do but if you do you own your own that's all I'm gonna say because I was reading the Bible and I was gonna read through the Bible and I got the song of Solomon so whoa 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 Jesus have whoa is this in the the same book yes the Bible. It's the Bible, and it was positive. It talked about how wonderful it was and how gracious it was. Now, some of the language was kind of, your, your teeth are like the, the, the mountains of Lebanon and all that kind of stuff. He didn't say teeth. I made that up, but he said other parts of the body. But anyway, he was talking about stuff that just made me uncomfortable, but it was powerful. And I, I, I realized that, that that's a boundary people can't walk on comfortably because they've never been exposed to it in the right way. Can I get an Amen. So I was afraid of it, and I so I understand. That's a great question, you know. So anyway, um, can I move on? All right, next thing. All right, here we go. I got two more. I'm done. We won't get out on time. I promise. 14 more minutes. 12 minutes. What if I feel God has given people land that I desire? (laughs) Um, Here you go. Here's my answer. Trust His plan over your plan, and keep working. I love something that a guy said once. He said, I was uh, up for some job or something, and he said, I didn't get it. And he said, what should I do? He said, be amazing where you are and watch God give you another opportunity. I believe you trust God with your life. You trust God because the Bible said this, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Matthew 20, 16. Have you ever seen somebody else get something that you thought you should have and then later on God gave you something better? That's how he works. And so I really believe that there are times you think this is your promised land and it's not, and God has a way of, of swinging this thing around and working out something for you that's amazing. I did not want this job. You, you want to know what the job I really wanted? You, some of you are going like think police officer. That was one. Okay. That was one. I talked about that last week. But the second job that I really wanted was I, want, I, and I, was, I, was, I was in line to get this job, or at least to be, I was, I was in, in the movie industry, if you get certain jobs, you have to know people. So I had a good friend, and it was right before I married Diane, and they offered me a job. This was in 1980, 1979-ish. Um, they offered, it was a chance to be a, 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 a editor, a, a movie a tape editor, a, a editor, an editor in, 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 in Burbank Studios. And I remember what, you did, what he did was, like, okay, you come, Rick, come hang with us, I'll let you sit in the editing suite. And they were editing the movie Shining, and uh, the good old boys, what's that, what's that, remember that? Dukes of Hazzard, the editor who did almost all of those, I was sitting with him while he was editing a lot of that stuff, right? And they were going to show me how to do it. That's my goal, so this is my ticket in. Now, let me tell you the salary. You want to know, you know, see, you want to know, right? This is 1979, it's $500 a week starting salary. I thought I was going to be rich, <laughs> get married, $500 a week. My rent, the department I wanted was $500 a week back then. $500 a, a month, rather. I'm sorry, back then. So I said, man, I'm rolling. Good marry this girl, get me this job, $500. I make $2,000 a month. I'm rolling. And back then, that's good, that's good money back then, right? Uh, and then the strike came the big movie, Strike, where all of them went on strike, and I got kicked out. <laughs> I mean, I, and I kicked, you know what I mean? It was over, It's like, forget it. So my promised land, <laughs> that I could see myself. They said, well, you know, Rick, you could even be one of those guys that, that take people around, you know, the movie stars, you know, take them around. You, you're a hospitable person. I am. I'm a hospitable. I would have fit in. You know, hey, how you get on in there, bud? Come on, Tom Cruise. I take you around, bro. I had it all planned in my head. They took me on the set with Chevy Chase. I, I was, was going to be there. But that wasn't God's plan. You can see the angels walking back. So Pastor Rick trying to be a movie person. That ain't your plan for him. No, it's not. Pastor Rick, trying to be a policeman. He's trying to be everything but a preacher. And he's in Bible college studying theology, but he's trying to be everything but a theologian. <laughs> I thought my promised land was somewhere else. And I almost missed it. I almost missed it. I almost missed Diane. I was a kiss away from missing her. One kiss with a kiss. You want to hear the story? I know you're nosy. I went to visit somebody. You ever broke up with somebody and knew it was supposed to be stay broke up? I went to visit somebody. And I did an innocent visit. And I was sitting there. And I was just sitting there like this. I was sitting there. And the person was talking to me. And then they started easing up on the right side. And the Spirit of God said, get up and run. If I had stayed there in that moment, that was the decision. To go to the promised land or not go to the promised land? That was the moment when you decide, do you want to make this move? Or do you want to do? And I knew I got up and left. And I'm telling you, that was the moment for me. Sometimes you think you see the promised land. And it looks good. But there's something else that God has for you. Say amen if you got it. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, I'm almost done. Well, last question, my third question. All right. What if I feel like I'm losing the fight? Well, that's okay. Uh, I almost want to give you another book. Can, can I give you another book to read? Now, just write this down. It, now, this is for next month, though. Okay? It's called The Psychology of... <laughs> I love this book. It's called The Psychology of Money. And it's a secular book, but The Psychology of Money... He made a point that I love in this book, and it's, um, it's one that I'll talk about more next month by a guy named Morgan Housel. Say that name, please. Come on. Morgan Housel, H-O-U-S-E-L, Morgan Housel, the psychology of money. He said, in order to make money, you have to lose money. There are seasons when it's down. I think he said the stock market dropped below 10 percent over 100 and some years. It dropped 10 percent 102 times. In other words, it goes down, but eventually it goes up. The point is, there are seasons when you, you, you have to have loss. You have to have, you, you're not going to always in any fight feel like you're winning every minute of the fight. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 1 says that. Give yourself time. He said, I've observed, this is Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11, I've observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. In other words, he said, you don't always get it when you want it. Ecclesiastes 9-11. That's Solomon in his Solomon in that waxing eloquent moment because he's gone through failure. He's messed up his life. He's married all these women, got his life all messed up, went on idol worship. And he writes the book of Ecclesiastes before he dies. And he talks about all he's learned and all the mistakes he's made and the lessons he walks out with. I believe God can give you a promised land, but I don't believe the promised land is always easy. I don't believe the journey is always simple. I don't believe it's not complicated. I don't think you get through raising kids without being a little bit ashamed. I don't think you get by in a career without having a down moment. I think that's all part of it. That's why I love the verse. I love what he said. The fastest runner doesn't always win. I love that. The strongest warrior doesn't always win. The wise sometimes go hungry. The skillful sometimes narrowly. I'm sorry. The skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. There are moments when it doesn't look good. But that's part of the journey to the promised land. But here's what you know. There are some things you're not supposed to have. But there are some things you are supposed to have. And here's what God told them. This land, I've given it to you, Israel. This is what you're supposed to have. There are some things you should be comfortable saying. I'm supposed to have peace. I'm supposed to have enough resources to pay my bills. I'm supposed to be at a place of, of where I'm content. I may not have a truck, but I got a car. It may not be exactly what I thought, but right now the car works, and it's a nice car. I I, I don't have who I thought I should have, but I got a good person in my life. I got good friends, got a good church, got a real good preacher. I'm waiting on you I'm waiting on you come on come on you got a good preacher I'm trying so what I'm saying is if I can focus my attention on that and I'm going to pray for you now because I'm telling you I fight it every day of my life and I I learned something it was powerful I read the other day um, about thankfulness it's an article I read 14% of people come back and say thank you they did a study and they had these people that had, had a need in their life and, and they, they, they did a, a something for them. And, and they, they, they studied them and they noticed that only 14 percent and most of the people who are English speaking people have the highest level of saying thank you. Maybe right now, instead of dwelling on what you didn't get, say thank you for what you have. So maybe you can pause for a minute. And just give God praise for the car and don't worry about the truck. Maybe for a minute you can let God know that you appreciate that you are living today. Watch this. Stand up on your feet. Maybe you can thank God that you can just get on up like that. Somebody can't move like that. Somebody got to say, get somebody to help them get up. Somebody got to take their time. They can't rock from the left to the right. They can't. You may not can dance like everybody, but you can still cut it loose. If I get some music in here, you can just let your arms go. You can just you can do your own thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, thank God for what you have. Church, the mega church has taught us that you shouldn't be happy unless the room is full and you got thousands of people. And Jesus had 12 and he was happy. Somehow we've lost our ability to give God the praise. So in these next two minutes, can you lift your hand with me, both here and at home? Father, we praise you. We worship you. We give you honor. We give you glory. We thank you for the difference you make. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the glory in the the presence and your presence in our lives. I ask you in Jesus' name to work among your people. Give them grace, give them healing, and give them strength. We thank you and we praise you and give you all the glory. In the name that's above every name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Praise God. Give God a big hand clap if you have a good time. Now, next week, we're going to talk more about how to get what you're supposed to get. What you're not supposed to have, what you're supposed to have, what God gave you, the land God gave you. The land God gave who? You. That's what you're supposed to have. Now, how do you get it? I'll talk about that in next week. I'll give you a hint. You got to take possession. I'll show you how to do that next week. Now, we got more questions online, do we? More comments? No, nope, we're done online? Good. Well, listen, thank you for being with us online. Thank you for being with us.